What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? It is Monday, October 9th, 2023. And I'm your host, as always, The Pody. Yes, unfortunately, I'm here for the second consecutive week on a Monday. I said I was going to try and get an episode out on Friday or Saturday. I wasn't going to be able to do Friday because of um, high school football, doing the chains, etc. So couldn't pump an episode out. I apologize. I just didn't have time on Saturday either. And then I thought about getting up early on Sunday morning and doing an episode, but I was watching the Bills and Jaguars game from London, and I just didn't want to get out of bed. So I apologize Um, What I will say, through five weeks, we're starting to gain an understanding of what's going on in the NFL. The college landscape is even nuttier, um, but the – this is what I'm – this might be controversial. I don't know. The product that I am seeing put forth on the football field this season I think is way down compared to years past. I don't see many good teams in the NFL. The 49ers are undefeated, and the Eagles are undefeated. Kaput. That is it. And after last night's shelling of the Dallas Cowboys in Santa Clara, it's over. Finito. The 49ers are the best team in football. And mark it on your calendars, December 3rd, a matchup with the Eagles. That will be a matchup in which the 49ers are undefeated. The Eagles have a tougher schedule coming up, but I do believe the 49ers and their schedule, barring any major injuries or anything like that, they should be undefeated going into that into that game, and that's about two months away. So that's quite shocking for me to say, but not really when you look at that schedule and look at things as a whole. Um, in terms of college football, not a lot has changed. Uh, Oklahoma got a big win. I'll talk about that in a, in a bit. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, they finally, uh, well, not finally, Georgia finally looked like Georgia. Michigan steamrolled Minnesota. Um, There's a lot to get into. We've got the MLB playoffs, which I will talk about a little bit more in depth than I've mentioned in in recent weeks. We've been all football of late, but we've got MLB playoffs. The AL East hasn't won a game in these playoffs. They had three teams make the playoffs, and they haven't won a single game thus far through two rounds. And I think the MLB has an issue on their hands because every team that played in the wild card round is leading these series. They got a head start. They got to play. These other MLB teams that won the division are kind of being punished, sitting back, and things are not going very well for them. So a uh, lot to get into. We'll try to get it done in a consolidated amount of time. And without further ado, let's jump in. We're going to start with the big one, and it's Mario Cristobal's Miami team, number 17 in the country, 4-0 or 5-0, whatever it is, and they were leading Georgia Tech with about 30 seconds left. Georgia Tech had no timeouts left, and all Miami had to do was kneel the ball. And for some reason, they handed it off, running back, ran up the middle, And what do you know? He fumbled, and it was just a wild, crazy ending. Take a listen. 
It's, yeah, it's under four seconds. Just yeah, take a good. knee. Like, yeah. you should not be handing this football off. Right. I don't know what Miami is doing. That's it. And here's Cheney. The straight ahead tackled, and the ball popped out. He's got to read the clock. I mean, it would read the card. I mean, and to me, Georgia Tech has it with 26 seconds left. Information there to change this. Here's Jeff Heiser. After further review, the ruling on the field stands. First down, Georgia Tech. So with 26 seconds left, Miami commits its foot. He clocked the football. Singleton, the fastest of the receivers, to the top of the screen. Here's King from the pocket. Flush to his right with six. Five. Going to loop it downfield. And ball is caught. Touchdown, Georgia Tech. With one second to go in the ball game, Christian Leary hauls it in. I mean, I'm going to say it, it needs to be said. That's one of the biggest coaching mistakes at this level that I have ever seen in my lifetime. Yeah, so sorry, I started to cut that off there. Didn't realize the announcer had more to say. But no, he's absolutely right. And I think that might have been Tim Hasselbeck. Um, I, I don't know if that's actually true, but it sounded like Tim Hasselbeck saying that. And I thought he was uh, let go at ESPN when they had all their layoffs. But either way, they're they're absolutely correct when they say that. And what's crazy about that is that uh, Miami had allowed Georgia Tech just 65 yards passing the entire game up till those last 30 seconds. And in two plays, they allowed them to go 60, uh, excuse me, 75 yards. And in the last two plays, they allowed, I believe, 76 yards of offense. Just unbelievable, including that game winner, which went for 44 yards. And Miami loses 23 to 20. Um, Mario Cristobal was asked about it afterwards. And of course, he said, we should have taken a knee. Yeah, you think? Um, it gets even worse for Cristobal because this isn't the first time he's fell victim to this exact scenario. In 2018, when he was head coach at Oregon, they lost to Stanford in very similar fashion, fumbling instead of kneeling away as much of the clock as possible. So you would have thought he'd have learned his lesson. And if I'm associated with Miami, if I were, the AD, you know, his bosses, whoever. I am not pleased. This is a disaster. You could have gotten a nice, easy win and moved up in the ranks into the top 15 or so and had a good week moving forward. And instead, absolute disaster. Uh, the Red River rivalry was an absolute soaring success. What a freaking game this was. Back and forth. Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, number three in the country, Oklahoma, what ranked? I think 12th in the country. Not many people giving Brett Venables um, much of a chance here uh, against, uh, you know, Sarkeesian and, 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 and Ewers and, and them boys from, from Texas. And this was back and forth. And, you know, Texas was leading for, for most of the way. And I was tempted. I didn't place – I placed one bet on college football, actually two bets this weekend. And I lost one, and the other one was a push. Don't want to get into it, but I had Kansas State over on Friday against um, – Oklahoma State, and I missed it by four points at the end. There should have been a DPI as Kansas State was driving, and I probably would have scored. Instead, they turned it over on downs. And then I bet Colorado minus three, and it turned out to be a push. But um, 
I wanted to bet the over in this in this Oklahoma game, and I didn't do it. Uh, bet the over in most Oklahoma games because, you know, Big 12, there's a lot of points scored. But it went back and forth, back and forth, and it just turned out to be an epic game in which Oklahoma comes all the way back in about a minute. They race down the field and, and, and get a touchdown and actually, you know, um, win this game. Dylan Gabriel, the lefty, the kid from uh, from Hawaii who transferred in, started his career at UCF. You know, not a lot of big offers. Goes from UCF to Oklahoma, and now he's big time, and he's a legend for what he did leading that final drive, throwing that touchdown, and giving them the win. He put up some really, really solid numbers um, let me give you his actual final stat line. Let me see here. Um, 285 yards, 23 of 38, one touchdown, no interceptions. I mean, he was just, ter- and again, terrific on that final drive. Quarterback rating of 132, 132.2. Uh, I don't know what Ewers was doing. He threw a couple picks, threw one immediately on about the second play of the game. It was supposed to be, I don't know if it was a screen or a slant kind of thing. Wide receiver screen, he comes out. He was not open. He, th- he double pumps and then throws it, and it was picked off. He threw another one. So, uh, yeah. Uh, not not great there. So yeah, Oklahoma. It's a big big win for them, and they move up. Uh, they they jumped up the most in the AP poll this week, jumping from twelve to number five, jumping all the way up to number five. So uh, congratulations to the Oklahoma Sooners with a big win. Okay, if you didn't if you didn't realize, Louisville is actually undefeated. They are six and zero after beating number ten Notre Dame thirty three to twenty. Really good job Jeff Brom has done there. Um, I I mean, listen, uh, my dad asked me if I thought that Louisville had any chance in that game, and I just shook my head and said no. I haven't really paid much attention to Louisville, and I'm not just going to dismiss them the rest of the way because that's an impressive win for sure. Uh, they're up to 14 in the country now, and they are 6-0. and I believe them, USC, Georgia, and Michigan, as well as Oklahoma. So there's a, there's a few 6-0 uh, and teams, but still impressive nonetheless what they've been able to do. And if you're Notre Dame, you've got to sit back and think that this is just one that you can't lose, just can't lose a game like that. Uh, I spoke about Georgia and Michigan. Georgia finally looked like Georgia. Uh, you know, they they stepped up and, and, and they had a big win over Kentucky. That one wasn't even really close, 51-13. to 13. The last couple of weeks you started to wonder, you know, the South Carolina game, they only win by 10. You know, the the uh, Auburn game, they only win by 7. So so some question marks there, but they, they, um, they quieted the doubters for sure. Um, I mean, I mean, Kentucky had zero chance in this game. And as far as, uh, you know, Beck goes, Carson Beck, he almost set a record. He started off, I believe 11 for 11 or 12 for 12, uh, whatever it was, he started off red hot and he had a chance to break that record for completions to start a game in a row. Um, and then ball got batted down at the line, but, 28 of 35, 80%, just ridiculous. 389 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. QBR of 205, just, just I mean, they diced them up. So a uh, huge win there for Georgia. They, they 
looked really good. And then Michigan, excuse me, beat up on Minnesota like 52 to 10, something like that. Uh, number four, Ohio State. They were tied up 17 all. That was another bet I was I was going to take was Maryland with the points. It was 19 on Friday. And then by Saturday afternoon, it jumped down. It dropped to 17. So I got a little sketchy. And then uh, it was close game throughout. And then Michigan, uh, excuse me, Ohio State scored 17 unanswered in the fourth and they were actually covering that spread for a hot second, but then uh, Maryland came back and ended up losing by just 10. So they, they did cover that spread. I was a little disappointed that I didn't take them there. Um, USC number nine, USC, they needed triple overtime. This spread was 21 against Arizona. And right before I was going to go to bed, it was late after midnight on Saturday. I was thinking, okay, they just scored to go up. I believe three or one, I think it was one and the spread was seven and a half. So I knew if they scored another touchdown, they could win, uh, cover that spread. And I was going to throw some money on it because they had a, um, after dark 33% boost live bet on that game and I almost was tempted enough to do it but I said ah, I'm going to bet I won't tempt fate I didn't bet it I wake up to find out they won 43 to 41 in overtime so very high scoring and one thing that I will say about USC and Lincoln Riley squads this is their downfall they haven't even hit the toughest point in their schedule yet Fairly easy, if we're being quite honest. And they've given up a hell of a lot of points in back-to-back weeks. First, it was Colorado, and now it's uh, Arizona. Some bad teams. They've given up lots of points throughout. And this is what happens with Lincoln-Riley-led teams. They tend to give up a lot of points on defense. They will put up crazy video game numbers on offense, but they just can't defend uh, 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 you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And, and it's always been a problem. Okay, I spoke about Colorado briefly. I had bet them minus three. I had two boosts for college football. So I put both of them at $25 maxes on Colorado minus three, and it got boosted to like, I don't know, plus 106, plus 108. So I was feeling good except for that hook. Now, Colorado, um, they didn't look great to start off. And, you know, it was kind of back and forth. They were covering, they weren't. They were covering, they weren't. And then... Arizona State marches down the field and ties the game. There were some you know, some penalties I didn't like being tossed around. And then Colorado immediately gets a bomb on like the first play from scrimmage. Shador Sanders throws up a nice deep ball. They catch it and they're pretty much into field goal range and they win it on a 42-ish yard field goal. And I got the push. And I was, I was, I was, um, I was on the fence. Did I want him to make the field goal and get the push and get my money back at least? Or did I want him to miss and go to overtime with the chance that they could lose? Um, But thankfully it didn't come to that and he made the field goal and I got the push. A little disappointed because I wanted to win some of that money back from Friday night, which was not able to do. So uh, yeah, tough one there. Um, So yeah, that pretty much wraps up uh, college football. Uh, Let's see. We had a couple teams were off this past week, right? We had um, Duke and Pitt were off. Um, number 17, Duke was off there. Let's see. Any other? Yeah, that's that's pretty much really, really all I have for the college football. All right, let's jump in. Let's talk a little bit of NFL football. I don't want to get to the baseball. I'll leave that for later. We'll talk, we'll talk football. Um, 
Okay, so we had the 930 game, Bills and Jaguars. Bills being the default home team here. Of course, Jaguars stayed in London uh, since last week's game against the Falcons, and they were the away team. Uh, Bills were minus 5.5, and and I had a five-team parlay. I I saved a a screenshot of it. I had a five-team parlay that um, I sent to uh, to the Phantom Swami, one of my co-hosts on Through the Ringer, and... It was Detroit minus two and a half, Ravens minus two and a half, Dolphins minus six and a half against the Giants, Eagles minus four against the Rams, and I had the Chiefs at minus two and a half. This was a bet I I, I put in earlier last week, um, sometime maybe around Thursday or Friday. I don't know, quite remember exactly when. And the odds were really good. These were alternate spreads. I liked them a lot. So... Then Sunday morning comes, and I know, or Saturday night, and I know this game is on at 9.30, so I want to get a bet in, and I kind of like the Bills uh, minus 5.5, but it was a funky number, so I was like, no, I don't want to take that. So I ended up substituting out the Philadelphia Eagles at minus 4, and I threw in the Buffalo Bills minus 2.5, and and we all know how that went. It it looked like the Bills were still jet-lagged, and it also looked like they had a player hurt on every other possession or every other, you know, snap. There seemed like somebody on the defensive end for the Bills was getting hurt. But I thought the Bills w- w- would look good. Um, you know, I, I figured they, they found their stride. They've, they've played really, really well, but probably got a big emotional win against Miami. And this was expect to be expected. Should have seen a letdown coming, but getting a boost, getting Von Miller back, I thought would help them, and it really didn't. So this is news from um, Adam Schefter. Okay, they lost Jardavius White last week to an Achilles. Now linebacker Matt Milano needs surgery on his leg and defensive lineman Daquan Jones on his pec. Both Buffalo players will be out indefinitely, so that's a huge blow to that defense. Um, They can't catch a break, it seems like. So that's a tough loss there, and the Bills just didn't look right, and they they lost this game. It wasn't even close. I was extremely disappointed, to say the least. Um, you know, you know, it it was not it was not a good showing. They lose by five. It really wasn't even that close. Um, Jaguars covered the five and a half, and my parlay busted immediately. So what did I do? I'm down one twenty five now, and I'm gonna go trying to chase this money in the one p.m. slot, which I did not want to do because I looked at these one p.m. games and I did not like them. And if you listen to Through the Ringer, we give our picks each week. We make three picks, our one point, two point, three point picks, and those games were all in the three, uh, four, uh, excuse me, four o'clock hour. Although Ravens was my two point pick at minus four and a half, I think it was, and I ended up not betting them because I felt a little sketched out AFC North matchup. It, I, it just didn't feel right to me, so I laid off that one, and you know what I bet instead? This is a real doozy. I bet the Miami Dolphins minus six and a half and over 48 points, and guess what? Miami won 31 to 16. They covered the seven, but you know what didn't happen? What's 31 plus 16, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, that's right. It's 47. I missed the over by two points, and Daniel Jones got hurt in this game. He took another six sacks or so. That O-line is just putrid. And he gets hurt. 
with a neck injury, gets knocked out. Tyrod Taylor comes in. That final drive, they had a fourth and one or fourth and two. I knew they weren't going to kick the field goal. They were well in field goal range around the 25. He tries to step up and scramble because he's about to get sacked, and I thought he got the first down, but his knee was actually down just shy of the first down marker. If he gets that, there's another four plays, and there's hope that they can score. So I lost three bets this weekend by a total of seven points. Seven freaking points. And that's like $300 on those bets that I lost. So it's tough blow there. And, you know, I will say um, it's nice to know that I was able to bounce back. But in terms of the other bet that I lost, not only did I put 100 on Miami minus 6.5 and, and over 48, I threw $100 on the New England Patriots minus 2.5. Oh, my God. Minus 2.5. I, I, I mean, can you imagine... Um, and I was sketched out because the spread jumped from one to two and a half, and I should have known right then and there. The Patriots have officially become the worst team in the AFC East. They lost 34 to zero a week after Belichick lost by 35 to the Cowboys. He's now suffered his two worst losses in his coaching career in back-to-back weeks. It's just uh, uh, insane to think about, right? So I'm already down 335, and I'm going into the 4 p.m., uh, slot. So, uh, yeah, crazy, crazy to think about. Um, and then the Ravens, I, I don't understand how the freaking Ravens, um, ended up doing what they did and, and blowing a 10 to three lead, uh, gave up what 17 unanswered to the Pittsburgh Steelers and lose 17 to 10. I don't even know what took place in that fourth quarter. So I am a little bit glad I didn't take them. Um, and, and you know, the, the rest of those 1 p.m. games, yeah, you had the Lions. Um, they covered pretty easily. Uh, you had the Colts. I don't want to get into them. Jonathan Taylor back, so I sat Zach Moss, and then Jonathan Taylor barely played, and Zach Moss went off for a career-high 160 yards, a touchdown. Like, he just went absolutely off, uh, um, so I don't even want to get into that. But uh, without further ado, let's get into the 4 p.m. games where this was where I started to make some money. All right, so I want to start off with the Kansas City Chiefs game because, well, I'll give you, I'll give you my, what I did was I'm now down $335 going in to the 4 p.m. games on the weekend, and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me, right? So I decided it was the easiest bet I could make, right? Because on Through the Ringer, I gave my three picks. Chiefs minus 4.5 was my one-point pick. Ravens minus four and a half was my two point pick and the New York Jets at plus one and a half was my three point pick, which was a little dicey. And in reality, I probably should have went with the Chiefs as my three point pick, although that at the end was controversial and that could have very easily gone against me. And I just realized it was Chiefs minus three and a half, not four and a half. The the Ravens was the four and a half one. So I took the Jets money line plus 114, parlayed it with Chiefs minus three and a half. I thought about dropping Chiefs to minus two and a half, and I just said, screw it. 100 bucks, it was plus 317, and it would pay $317. And down 335, win this bet, only down $18 for the weekend, right? So I needed this badly. 
So, the Chiefs game's on. Obviously, I'm watching the Jets game. I've got red zone going a little bit, too. And fantasy's really not not even a thought process at this point because I'm so disgusted with myself because I decided not to start Zach Moss because I'm thinking Jonathan Taylor's back. Zach Moss has only projected six points on Yahoo. Screw the Yahoo experts. They know nothing. I know more than them. I'm confident in that. They should just stop what they're doing because it's, it's pathetic. They don't know anything. And they convinced me not to start Jonathan, not to start Zach Moss because Jonathan Taylor's back. So I was in a predicament. I started Javante Williams of the Broncos, who hasn't been great either because I have uh, Kenneth Walker on bye. And because, uh, uh, because the Colts, excuse me, because the Colts and the, who was my other option? Uh, well, it was really the Colts. Yeah, because Zach Moss played at 1 p.m. and Javante Williams was playing 4-25 against the Jets, Javante was a game-time decision. So I had to make a choice immediately what I was going to do, and I decided to go with Javante. And when it was announced that Javante was out because they have a Thursday night game against the Chiefs coming up, I had no choice but to go pick up Dalvin Cook and start Dalvin Cook, who got me less than three points. And I watched Zach Moss go off for 39 points. And I recently just made a trade, Joe Burrow and Kyron Williams, for Jalen Hurts. And I played against the man that I just made the trade against. And, of course, Jalen Hurts puts up 29, the most points he has scored all season long. And guess what? If I started Zach Moss and then started Joe Burrow, who had his best game of the season against the Arizona Cardinals, putting up 26 points, I would have won. Granted, it would have come down to Romeo Dobbs because I started him over Jordan Addison, but at least I would have had a chance and could have put up about 140 points and beaten this man. Instead, I won't even put up 90 after tonight with Jordan Love and Dobbs combined. So that I was not happy about. Now, the other thing, the other wrinkle in this mess was that Travis Kelsey got hurt on a non-contact ankle injury. So now I'm just like, great, my season's just completely over. It's been over the second this whole Taylor Swift fiasco um, started to happen. And, you know, for some reason, she wasn't at this game. We fi- I found out today she was not at the game, or I found out last night, I don't quite remember. But what I wanted to do is play a quick clip for you guys because this is very interesting this was donna kelsey travis kelsey's mother who we all know went viral her and taylor swift were in the booth during the uh first game a couple weeks ago um and that's where this craze started this was donna kelsey on the today show being asked about taylor swift this is crazy Um, was that the first time you'd met uh taylor uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's fairly new, so yeah. I, I don't like to talk about it. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, obviously everybody saw me. I was in the, I was in the boxes with, with her, and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, another thing that's amped up my life. Yeah, what was she like? What was yeah. it? I mean, you, so you got to know her a little bit. Got to see the couple games. How was it? Here it is. Yeah. Was okay. Yeah. <laughs> we both we both met her, and she's we've always sort of just been delighted yeah. by her way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did did Travis say, Mom? Can you believe it was okay? So here's my thought process. If you didn't want to talk about it, why did you go on the Today Show? Because clearly you're on there to kind of promote this relationship. Because again, I still partly think that this is a lot of PR 
This is a big PR stunt, this relationship. Um, and if it's not, they're using it for PR and promoting this. But clearly she didn't practice her answers or what she was going to say. But from that answer, it doesn't sound like she's too fond of Taylor Swift. So yikes. Uh, and then, of course, Travis gets hurt. And he did come back, but he had to kind of beg to get back on the field. They finally put him back on the field, and then he does score a touchdown, so thankfully for that. But then, of course, I realized, oh, crap, they're playing Thursday night. So here's the latest tweet about 10 minutes ago from Adam Schefter. Chiefs are listing tight end Travis Kelsey as a DNP. Uh, did not practice today ahead of their Thursday night game. I expect him to play. I'd be a little surprised if he does not, but I cannot have this. He has to play. My team is 2-3 and three in fantasy, and I can't afford another loss because I don't have a lot of uh, points for, and I'm, I'm really going to need him to play. So there's that. Um, then on the flip side, we had the Jets. So they win that game over the Minnesota Vikings 17-10. to 10. I was a bit surprised that game was as close as it was, and they couldn't put up more points against Minnesota. And that's kind of back-to-back -back weeks. They haven't looked great. Only 23 against the Jets, and the Jets really shut them out after that first quarter. They scored just six points um, after that first quarter, and then only 17 in this game. And then, of course, they, they, they lost in week one, barely scoring 20 against the Lions. So not great. But, uh, you know, they're still the Chiefs, still the Super Bowl champs, still finding ways to get it done. Um, as for my Jets in Denver, everybody calling this the Nathaniel Hackett Bowl. We all know what Sean Payton, his disparaging, despicable, in my opinion, comments that he made about a fellow coach, another coach in this league. Call, uh, you know, his comments to USA Today when he said it was one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, what he did going 4-11 and last year. Um, so everybody was pumped. You saw CJ Uzama coming out onto the field. The, his, you know, him and his teammates, the offense huddling around him, and he just went off on Sean Payton and and the Broncos. And, you know, the Jets got down early. It's like, here we go. This overrated, vaunted defense isn't doing anything early on. They allow Russell Wilson to run for run like twice for over 20 yards apiece. And they go down and the Jets find themselves down early. And it wasn't looking good, right? How many? This was like the fumble Ruski Bowl. I mean, there were fumbles left, right, and center. Um, Xavier Gibson fumbled a kickoff, Marvin Mims, or a punt, Marvin Mims fumbled a punt, which was huge for the Jets, mind you. Um, Gibson fumbled another one on a nice little return, but luckily the Jets uh, pounced on it. Um, and then after Gibson fumbled the punt, um, not the one that he ran back and got some yards and then fumbled, the, the second one where he actually muffed it, he... Um, the, the this immediately this was when the Jets had a nice little lead. They finally came back, took the lead, and then of course, of course, this had to happen. Thank God it was our day. But two plays later, they tried a double and a double reverse, and the pitch to P Ryan was brutal. It was high. It was a fumble. The Jets were able to pounce on it, thankfully, and go down and get some points. But the Jets started the third quarter or ended the half about as bad as you could possibly end it. So they were driving. There was about 14, 15 seconds left. Zach Wilson dropped back in the red zone, and he threw about a five-yard out route to or really hit Uzama in the flat for three, four yards, and it was inbounds, and the Jets had no timeouts, and they could not clock it in time. And two things here. You can't make that throw if you're Zach Wilson. Cannot make that throw and go to the half and not get any points. 
and CJ Uzama, he's a veteran. He played in the Super Bowl. He's got to know, I can't catch this ball. I cannot catch this ball. Drop the ball, whatever you have to do to not catch this ball. And so they go to the half. They don't score. And now Broncos get the ball to start the second half. Now, mind you, my buddy, uh, Mr. Nicholas Maurer is at the game. Huge Broncos fan, co-host on Through the Ringer. And he flew out for this game. And I'm just dying over here. Please, we have to win this game. Have to get this W. I can't I can't listen to him just gloat for, a, a, you know, the rest of the season, really. And come out in the third quarter, Broncos start with the ball, and we get a big three and out. Big three and out uh, to start the second. And, and then from there, it was, you know, we get the ball back, and you couldn't have asked for a better start because Brees Hall on the very first play from scrimmage to start the third quarter. On first down to keep to Brees Hall. Right up the middle, and there he goes. Brees Hall is in Denver territory, and he's got a hole pass to the end zone. Jets in front. So there you have it. Brees Hall took the very first pass uh, excuse me, very first handoff of the second half with 13 minutes, 39 seconds on the clock. Jets down 13 to 8, and he housed it, okay? And he had a career high, I think, 133 yards rushing in this game. Um, it, you know, it was very eerily similar to his game last season against the Broncos before he got hurt with the uh, ACL tear. Um He ran one for like 65 yards to the house, but he finished with, actually, no, wow. Okay, never mind. He had 177 yards rushing, a lot of that probably towards the back half of that game. 22 for 177, the long touchdown there for 72. So the Jets um, were back and forth. They they end up taking an eight-point lead at one point in this game, and they have a chance to go down and kick a field goal. It's a third and goal or third and five, whatever it is. Jets call timeout. Wilson and Hackett are talking it over. Now, mind you, Patrick Sertan is either 1 or 1A one corner, number one corner in the league. He's right up there. He was all pro with Sauce Gardner last year. And um, if you want to give him the nod, say he's the best in the league, okay, fine, whatever. He's on Garrett Wilson. So what do you not want to do here is probably throw it his way. And it's supposed to be sort of a back shoulder. I don't know if it's a comebacker, but Zach throws it a little bit low. Um... And Garrett Wilson tries to come back for it, but he slips. He gets really low. I don't know what was going on. Uh, he he was falling. A lot of Jets players were falling, slipping all over the field. But Garrett Wilson did it a couple times. He had one catch where he had to. He was sliding on his knees, kind of fell down. Um, I don't know. Get new spikes, bro. But he he falls down coming back for the ball. Gets low, and it goes ri- pretty much right through his hands. And Patrick Sertan intercepts the ball. And it's like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? And now the Broncos have the ball and they're on about their five-yard line. And excuse me, I, I remember now. Jets had been up eight and the Broncos tied it, uh, I believe. No, the, the the Broncos, Jets were up 11, I believe, and, and they, they cut it to three. 20, uh, it was uh, 23-20 at that point. And 
they got the two-point conversion everything. So, so Jets, all they had to do was kick the field goal. We go up six, force them to go get a touchdown. So now the Broncos have almost two minutes and one timeout to go down and kick a field goal. It's like, here we go. It's, you know, mile high. The altitude, you could kick from 60, right? They got Will Lutz, good kicker. And, you know, they're backed up. I know our defense had been playing well all second half, minus the one touchdown and two-point conversion. And um, they start to move the ball a little bit, start to move the ball a little bit. And then, thank God for Quincy Williams, who, in my opinion, is playing like, one of the best the best linebackers in this league. Fred Warner, you know, obviously is the best in the league, but Quincy Williams is just been an absolute beast. So with 41 seconds left and the Denver Broncos at about the 40-yard line or so or the 31-yard uh, line driving with still with one timeout and down three, this was the play that sealed the Jets' victory. Broncos need about 20, 20 yards to make it a 60-yard attempt. Wilson left the football. Rolling towards the sideline. Picked up by the Jets. It's Hall. And he goes. For now, it is a touchdown on the field. It is a touchdown. This is a... Yeah, so it was a touchdown. It was ruled a touchdown. It was a sack and fumble by Quincy Williams. Just chased him down like a chicken with his head cut off. He, he, oh, like a shark with bl in bloody water, right? Just chased him down, and what an absolute play that was. Won us the game. Scoop and score. I had Jets defense in fantasy. Again, not that it did too much, but it was a great little pickup by me. And the Jets get the win 31-21. Everyone was pumped for Nathaniel Hackett. They made him an honorary captain for that game, gave him a game ball. One unfortunate note for the New York Jets, it has been confirmed. Elijah Vera Tucker, our best offensive lineman, out for the season yet again. Two straight years, both happening in Denver which is just mind-boggling. Something about the Denver altitude and Elijah Vera Tech Tucker do not mix. Last year, it was the bicep or tricep injury that kept him out for the entire season. It was an injury sustained in Denver. This time, and even Robert Solid, he hurt his calf. He played one play on it and then came out, and they thought it was going to be a minor little calf injury. And as early as this morning, the Phantom Swami texts me, a tweet from Ian Rappaport saying Jets offensive lineman Elijah Vera Tucker is expected to miss time with a calf injury, but there is optimism heading into the MRI that it's a calf and not an Achilles. Often it's obvious heading into the MRI if an Achilles is torn. That does not appear to be the case here, which obviously was the case with Rodgers. They knew immediately. But then you have Adam Schefter giving us this news about... An hour ago, Jets O-lineman Elijah Vera Tucker suffered a season-ending triceps injury last season in Denver and now sustained a season-ending Achilles injury on the same field in Denver a year later, which is what I just alluded to. Um, it's now our second Achilles tear. Unbelievable. How can the Jets have this happen? Two guys on the team with Achilles injuries in the same season about six weeks apart or five weeks apart. I just, you can't make it up. And I'm starting to wonder, my dad texted me and said the Jets are pretty much like the Yankees. They just can't get out of their own way with injuries. 
And, I mean, football is a different animal because it, it happens. It, it's happened. You're seeing it. I said the Bills, Tredavious White, Matt Milano, another defensive lineman. I mean, we're seeing it around the league. That It's happened to the Ravens, J.K. Dobbins. So it's a violent sport. This is this is going to happen. Um, and we've seen it in years past in the preseason. Mark Sanchez got blown up out for the year in a preseason game. Same thing with Jordy Nelson tearing his ACL in a preseason. So these things do happen. We all saw what happened with Tua last year. But, yeah, it just seems like certain teams are cursed. And this is a big blow to a Jets team that already has a really bad offensive line and a quarterback that has trouble making decisions if he holds on to the ball. Um, and I'm just afraid we're going to see with the Jets what we're witnessing with the New York Giants right now, which is just a disaster. A disaster, disaster, disaster. So, anyway, good news, though. I won my bet, won the 317, salvaged what could have been a a really ugly weekend and a really ugly start to this football season because I'm I'm already losing money as it is um, in, in, in on football so far this year. I th- I believe I have lost some money so far. So I don't know. It, it you know then we we I decided I'm okay. I'm like this is it. Good. I'll take that eighteen dollar loss and I'll that's it. I didn't want to go chasing more and bet the Sunday night game because 49ers hosting the Cowboys. I thought this was going to be razor thin. Um, I thought the Cowboys bounced back beautifully against the Patriots, and I thought maybe the whole Cardinal game was a fluke and that they this was a good litmus test for them against the 49ers. And it was in Santa Clara, but I believe the spread was three and a half or so, and I stayed away, and the 49ers demolished them. It was three and a half. The 49ers covered with ease. And I was leaning Cowboys because of the hook, right? So anytime you see a hook, okay, you take the Cowboys, they lose by a field goal, boom, you win. Thank God I didn't bet this game because what a lost. And Christian McCaffrey actually had one of his worst games of the year, but guess what? Still got into the end zone for the 14th straight game. This is virtually a lock every week that it was minus 200 anytime touchdown. The best odds you'll ever see on an anytime well I'm the worst odds you ever see on an anytime is around like minus 115 mostly you get it for even or better money right or plus money but now it's minus 200 for CMC that's how good he is and Brock Purdy at some point we've got to stop referring to him as Mr. Irrelevant I don't care what system this is I don't care how good Kyle Shanahan is this man he's just a savant at reading the football field and his accuracy is unmatched 70.8% 252 uh four touchdowns three of them going to George Kittle we definitely need him back in the NFC championship game we need probably a rematch against the Eagles because right now they would win and it was unfair that he got hurt last year do you guys realize that Brock Purdy they started the season last year 2 and 3 and have not lost since and they have not lost the game in which Brock Purdy has started or finished. Brock Purdy has not lost the game in which he has completed. So that NFC Championship game loss doesn't count because he didn't finish the game, uh, you know, because he was hurt. And they he did come back, but then they um, eventually went away from him. Um, so, yeah, Tyrod, uh, excuse me, Tyrod Taylor. Um, Brock Purdy has not lost the game in which he has started and completed. And this team is by far and away the best team in football right now. And like I said, December 3rd against the Eagles, they will likely be undefeated. And speaking of the Eagles, 
They're coming into MetLife next week as they play my New York Jets. And they are the lone team, I believe, in the entire league that the New York Jets have not beaten ever is the Philadelphia Eagles. And who knows? Maybe we play a good game like again, we like we did against the Chiefs and we are competitive and maybe even sneak out a win because the Eagles, let's face it, they had to replace both coordinators. They haven't looked all that great. Um, they looked pretty good, though, against the Rams. They were putting up points. The uh, the whole, you know, brotherly shove that they're calling it there or the tush push, as everyone else likes to call it, is it's got to go. I'm sorry. It's a cheap play. I get it. It's awesome that everyone in the stadium and the world knows it's coming and they still can't stop it. But you're tempting fate. I'm telling you right now, the Eagles are tempting fate. Somebody's going to get hurt. We saw what a quarterback sneak a few years ago. Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap. So somebody's going to get hurt. You have an older um, aging center in Jason Kelsey you know, they kind of sort of had to beg him to come back and play this season. And, you know, he could go down as the greatest center of all time. I get all of that. But he's aging. You know, that O-line, you don't – these guys keep going low and guys falling on them. Things are going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. So, listen, it might be working now, but just wait. Eventually, it's going to it's gonna go away. Something's going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt, and you're going to be like, damn, we shouldn't have tempted fate. We shouldn't have done it so much. So uh, tonight we've got the Vegas Raiders hosting the Green Bay Packers. You know, both these teams are kind of middling. Not much to make of this this game tonight, really. Um, I'm not touching this game. Raiders are favored by two and a half. I'm leaning Packers, to be perfectly honest, but something tells me Raiders are probably going to win this game, and it's why I'm not touching it. Jimmy G passed concussion protocol, so he will play in this game. I want to see what Jordan Love has tonight because I traded for him, or I picked him up in fantasy, and I'm actually starting him, and I I would love to see him and Romeo Dobbs continue that beautiful connection they've got going there. They should get Aaron Jones back as well tonight. So it should be a, a pretty decent game. Um, uh, to, on Monday night for Monday night football. And I believe there is a Manning cast. I'm not sure who our guests are going to be. Who knows? Maybe we'll get an Aaron Rodgers sighting. He did play for the Packers. Um, so maybe we'll get him. I don't know who else we'll get, but, but, um, pretty excited for that game. Although I'm not going to bet it. I just want to see it from a fan's perspective. So really that's pretty much all I've got there. Um, on a side note, let's talk about some baseball for a second. So the MLB playoffs are underway and there are some games on tonight. Uh, game two between the Phillies and the Braves is on tonight. And then you've got game two between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. So what I wanted to say is, and I'm not going to make this too long, but the MLB has an issue. Every wild card team is ahead in each of these series. So you've got the Rangers. They're up two games to none on the Orioles and the Astros and Twins game series is tied. So that, you know, that that one is the lone is the lone uh story there, but uh that that's going to be a good series, you know, with Correa and, and really the tw- the Twins uh they actually they weren't even a uh, a wild card team, I don't believe. They won their division. Yeah, Minnesota won the division. So that's not even what I'm talking about. We're talking about Texas is the wild card team there in the American League and then in the National League you've got the Diamondbacks. So all these wild card teams have a leg up because they got to play a series already and they're fresh and these other teams were sitting around and waiting and what the Diamondbacks did to the 
Dodgers in game one. Clayton Kershaw, man, I just don't get it. He's one of the greatest lefties of all time, and he just, for some reason, can't perform in in the playoffs. And I know he he did get over that hump and he did win a World Series, but it's just unbelievable. Um, it, it really is how he he chokes in, in the playoffs. So um, let me, I'm trying to find the stat on, on him for a second. Give me, give me a quick second here. Um, oh yeah, there were some crazy stats from these playoffs so far. So where is it? I got to scroll a bit. Give me a second. Um, hold on. A lot of football stuff here. This was a, a stat I saw. Uh, the Diamondbacks, here's one though. The Diamondbacks were 84 and 78 this season. That was a 519 win percentage. That's tied for the lowest regular season win percentage in MLB history by a team to win its first three postseason games, excluding the 2020 COVID shortened season. The excuse me, 2008 Dodgers went 84 and 78 before sweeping the NLDS against the Cubs. Um, hold on, where the hell is it? I guess I got to go ways back. Here we go. Um, Clayton Kershaw is the first starting pitcher in MLB postseason history to allow five hits and five runs before recording and out. And here's an update. No reliever has ever done this either. So that was quite shocking, to be perfectly honest. So they're down one game to none. It's not panic mode just yet, but uh, they'll resume that series tonight. Um, Let's see. Justin Verlander in their game one win over the Twins. Um, he posted the sixth scoreless start of his postseason career, which tied Madison Bumgarner and Tom Glavin for the most in MLB history. And I just lost my spot that I was at, so give me a second. And then, so uh, I said the Twins bounced back and they tied that series. Pablo Lopez has a .71 ERA through two starts this postseason. That is the third lowest in a two-start span in Twins postseason history, which starts when uh, ERA became an official stat in 1913, trailing uh, Hall of Famers Walter Johnson in 1925, who had a .50 ERA, and Jack Morris in 91, who had a .56 ERA, which is just incredible. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it, uh, except for the fact that every former Yankee has balled out in this postseason. They might have lost yesterday, but in the process, um, Aaron Hicks, what did he do? Oh, he um, had five RBIs, including a three-run homer in the ninth inning to cut it to 11-8, give the Orioles a little bit of hope, although ultimately they lost. So Texas swept, uh, took two games from the O's in Baltimore, and it really was just not a good weekend for Baltimore fans, including the Ravens blowing that lead. But, um, yeah, how, how about that? So uh, they find themselves down two games to none. Um, and I just i am fascinated by this Twins and, and Astros series because we all know the Twins, their postseason woes, they get to the playoffs, and then they seemingly lose to the Yankees in the first round every year. But now Carlos Correa going up against the, his former team in the Houston Astros um, – he, he was a big reason why they even that series last night. A couple of big RBIs in the first inning. Um, he now has 61 in the postseason, and that tied David Ortiz and Derek Jeter for the fourth most in, post se- in, in the postseason since 1920, so that's crazy. And then uh, one quick note, 
Corey Seager is the first player in MLB history to walk five times in a playoff game. He walked five times last night. It's just, it's insane. Um, Insane. So let's see. Um, That pretty much wraps it up, guys. I don't have an on this date in sports. Um, Let's see. Yeah, I really don't have anything. Um, So we're under an hour. That's pretty much good for me. I'm just checking to see if I could find something. All right, here's something. On this day in 1997, Mike Breen was named the play-by-play announcer for the New York Knicks. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, Mike Breen, everybody knows Mike Breen from ESPN um, and and his coverage uh, of basketball games that he would do with Mark Jackson and, and Van Gundy, although that is going to be totally new this, this season with all the layoffs that ESPN did, which I'm so sorely going to miss and I'm a little angry about that but yeah wow okay 1990 he's been doing Nick's broadcasts since 1997 26 years so shout out to Mike Breen the legend all right ladies and gentlemen um hopefully I'll get one out again before this weekend is over but stay tuned to through the ringer if you want my NFL picks for Week, what are we going into? Week six now. I went two for three. I'm still in the lead. I have more points than the Phantom Swami and uh, Nick as well. So, uh, yeah, I've been in the lead since the beginning, and I listened to the Michael K show just before. I have more more correct, uh, more points than all three of those guys, Michael, Don, and Peter. Uh, I think I have one more point. Either Don or Peter's in the lead, but I have more points than all of them. So, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good with my picks, and... Um, although I bet the Patriots, which was just ungodly. That's the second time, I think, so far this season that I was on the the totally wrong side of a bet. And just, it's one of those things you have to chalk up. It was a gut play, too. My gut usually doesn't let me down, and I just felt good about this. But the second it jumped to two and a half, should have been my, the warning signs were there. It was beeping in my head, and I almost didn't bet it, but then I just, that itch to get something in before these one o'clock games start. And of course that was it. So sorry about that, but uh, well, nothing to be sorry about. I didn't tell anyone to bet the Patriots, my stupid ass bet the Patriots. So it is what it is. I recouped the money. Thankfully, wish I was up, could have been up a lot more, could have been up about 600. If something swung my way, it was seven points um, on three bets that I lost. So tough, tough blow, but these things happen and we'll bounce back and will be even better for it. So stay tuned to TTR for my picks. We will have that episode on Wednesday. So uh, you'll get to listen to that by Wednesday night, Thursday morning on your commute, et cetera, leading up to the weekend's games. So with that being said, guys, um, that's going to wrap up this episode of This Week in Sports. I'm the Pody, signing off. 